Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. The person next to you and say to them, you are a good singer. I told Mindy this week that the 8am as I think are the best singers. I do. I think the 8AMers are the best singers. Uh, So there you go. You need to keep proving me right. All right. I want to thank you for your missions offering again. Uh, Last week we announced that you gave $185,355. The elders, yes, come on. That is amazing. It's a fire alarm. <laughs> Rosé never moves when there's a fire alarm. Um, they'll come and tell us if we need to vacate the building. All right. But I just did want to thank you. The elders and board and myself are very grateful for your generosity. I think we're the two loaves, five, no, the two fishes, five loaves church. You gave what was on your heart and we'll be able to do all that is in our heart, but we have leftovers which is incredible. So we've sent some funding up with our chaplains who have gone up north in the flood-affected areas. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Those joining us online, uh, great to have you with us. And um, for all of you who've got COVID out there in online land, we love you, praying for you. I'm excited about our Easter dinner parties when we came back from COVID. A lot of you said to me, Ros, what is is going to be different? How's the church going to be different? Well, the church can only be different if you're different. And I'm different. So what are you and I doing that is different? So I challenge you to do something different. Step over the little afraid line, the little chicken line about worrying about what people think and invite someone for dinner or brekkie or coffee. Mark and I have invited our neighbours for wine and cheese and we're going to ask them for an Easter blessing, if we can have a pray an Easter blessing over them at the end. So um, Let's get out of our comfort zone and do something different. The world needs us to be different people. Are we all right, Mind? Are we burning or not? The urn. Yes. Great. All right. So uh, we've been doing a theme called Anatomy of Faith, studying Hebrews, because the theme of this year is faith. I want you to have a strong faith. I don't want you to have a wimpy faith that collapses. Colossians 2 says this. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him, not on people or things or ideologies or knowledge, money or your dreams, but on Christ. Let your thoughts, affections and life be entwined and wrap around him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Thankfulness is the language of faith, this scripture is saying. In this last season, our world and your world has been shaken. And when that happens, your faith either grew or you felt like quitting. But I want you to be people of strong faith. The enemy goes after your faith. He doesn't go after your car or your bank balance. He goes after your faith. He's always trying to pull you away from Christ. Why? Because according to 1 Peter, your faith is more precious than gold. 
In 2 Corinthians 5, it says that we live by faith, not by sight. A lot of people live by knowledge. But Paul is saying, no, I want you to be people that live by faith. Jesus said to his disciples, will I find faith on the earth? He was always looking for what? Good behavior? No, he was actually always looking for faith. He was commending people for their faith and he rebuked people for their lack of faith. Oh, you of little faith. 1 John 5, 4 says victory comes into our life by what? By faith. God can only bring about the great things in your life by your own personal faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. You were born to live by faith. It doesn't matter if it's a mustard seed. You were born and created to live by faith. Everyone has faith in something. Even the atheist has faith that God doesn't exist. They have faith in their own truth or faith that when they die that they will go to nothing. That takes faith. This theme is feeding the language of faith into our souls. And that's why I love church. Because when we're gathered together in the atmosphere, we can sense faith and we hear the language of faith. And that is the language we need to live out of. In our messy, uncertain lives, where faith and doubt coexist, this atmosphere of us being together encourages us to keep choosing faith. I want you to have strong faith. So we're reading Hebrews 11, and I'm up to today reading, going from 13 to 22. We're going to go briefly over some verses and pause at other parts. Let's go. All these people were still living by or in faith when they died. All these people are the people who we've just mentioned in the last couple of weeks, Abraham, Sarah, Noah, Enoch, and Abel. How we live says a lot about us. However, how we die says more about us. So how are you going to die? You can start choosing how you're going to die right now by choosing how you're going to live. Most people die how they have lived. If they've lived in di- with disappointment, they're going to die in disappointment. If they've lived with regret, they're going to die in regret. If you live in faith, you will die in faith. Verses 13 says this, verse 13. They didn't receive the things that God had promised. Abraham and Sarah didn't receive the things that promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a long way off. They openly said that they were outsiders and strangers on earth. People who say things like this show that they are looking for a country of their own. What if they had been thinking of the country they had left? It's very interesting to think about our lives Do we look back? When we get disappointed, we want to go back to our comfort zone. But Abraham and Sarah never wanted to go back. um, Then they could have returned to it. (laughs) Instead, they longed for a better country. They wanted a heavenly one. So God was pleased when they called in their God. In fact, he had prepared a city for them. The writer confirms that they, these all welcome the promises from a distance, from a distance in time. That word means salute. It's like they were going, hey, we can see our promises up ahead. We are saluting them. But they didn't see the fulfillment of them. Abraham and Sarah live long enough to get their seed, 
their first son. But do you remember the promise that God gave Abraham? He said, your descendants will become a nation. Go out into the night sky and look at the stars. As many as those stars you can count will be your descendants. But Abraham didn't see the nation, but he did see the one seed. In fact, Abraham didn't get to see you and I because you and I are part of the promise. You and I were one of those multitude of millions of stars. The church was born out of the promise of Abraham and Isaac. Um, It's okay. So God is a God of generations because Abraham's promise, the promise of the nation was going to roll right through the generations, right through including us. God calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You might see yourself as one thread, but God doesn't see you as one thread. You aren't a lone thread. You belong in a tapestry. You are part of generations, the generations that have gone before and the generations that are coming after you. So never see yourself as a thread. There's a picture going up there. You are part of a tapestry. I am telling you, you are not a single thread. You don't stand alone. So what will you do with your thread? What will you do with the seed of faith that you've been given? Let me tell you, it's good that you're at church this morning. Because even you this morning are part, being at church by faith, you are being part of and declaring faith in the generations that are coming after you. Um. You and I have been entrusted with a seed. You know, Ros there and Mark there and all of you, we are only part of the thread, the single thread of this generation of Macquarie. I wasn't part of the generations that came before, the generations that came after. It is a whole tapestry, bigger and, and going from strength to strength. I'm just a part of one of the threads. The writer says that Abraham and Sarah lived as strangers and pilgrims and exiles on the earth. They actually lived in tents. Can you imagine living in tent for year after year? When she was 99, she had a baby in a tent. Christ also lived like this. Remember he said the Son of God has nowhere to lay his head. What about us? I'll tell you what it says in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, we know that our body, the tent we live here on earth, will be destroyed. But when that happens, God will have a house for us. It will not be a house made by human hands. Instead, it will be a home in heaven that will last forever. But now we groan in this tent. And everyone with sore knees goes, yes. The older we get, the more we groan. Let me say this. To follow follow Christ is not to feel like you belong here. Of course you don't belong here. You have an ache. You have a longing for your home. There is a longing in each of us because we were made for perfection. There's a longing in each of us for heaven where there's no hostility or bullying or sin or sadness or suffering. Every tear is wiped away. There is no decay. There is no working bees. There is no vacuuming. There is no out-of-date curry powder. There is no out-of-date buildings. There's no potatoes that have gone off. There's no peeling paint, no frailty, no rejection or betrayal. There's no... There is no division over political parties. There is no cellulite. Everything is restored and healed. 
And that's why we find loss hard, because we weren't created for loss. But there's coming a time as we're passing through when we go home, there will be no loss. Dr. George Morrison, a great Scottish preacher, said this, the important thing is not what we live in, but what we look for. I want to pause and say this. To anyone here who senses they've got an apostolic or a senior pastor calling, you will especially never feel at home. Because I believe the word apostle means sent one. Abraham was an apostle. Abraham didn't get to choose where he lived. God came to him and said, move from your homeland, move from your fatherland and go to a place that you will never know. So apostles and senior pastors never get to choose where they live. And anyone that Mark and I have raised up as a senior pastor and sent out, we've said, you don't get to say, I'm going there. You're being sent out of your comfort zone. You know, I chose to live on the central coast, but that was the last place we chose. Mark and I were sent here. You get interrupted by God and he sends you somewhere out of your comfort zone. Hebrews 11, let's move through to Hebrews 11, 17. We come to the test. It was by faith that Abraham, when God tested him, interesting words, offered his son Isaac as a sacrifice. God made the promises to Abraham, but Abraham was ready to offer his own son as a sacrifice. God had said, the descendants I promised you will come from Isaac, from the promise. They're going to come from Isaac, who was born when Sarah was 99. Abraham believed that God could raise from the dead, and really it was as if Abraham got Isaac back from the dead. This was Abraham's greatest test. He offered his one and only son that he knew all the descendants would come from, All the future promises, all the stars in the sky were wrapped up in Isaac. You and I came from the promise of Isaac. We were wrapped up in the promise of Isaac. And God asked him, Abraham, to kill him, to climb a mountain and put him on an altar. Don't panic. He won't ask you to do this. Human sacrifice was practiced in the broader of, cult, of in the culture of Abraham's time. Abraham had never done it before. And no, God isn't into human sacrifice, Deuteronomy 18, Micah 6. It was a one-off test. Why? Because God wanted to test and see what was in Abraham's heart. What is the one, one way he tests us and see what is in our heart? To ask us to lay aside something that we love. That is really precious. Roz, can you lay down that career? Can you lay down that relationship? And interestingly enough, it reveals what's in our heart. Can we trust him? But also it reveals, can God trust us? And God needed to trust Abraham. Because Abraham was going to be called the father of faith. So he needed to see what was in Abraham's heart. And drumroll, Abraham passed the test. Because Abraham considered God who was faithful, even if he did have to put Isaac to death, that God would raise Isaac from the dead. But of course we know that God interrupted and he didn't have to put his son to death because he saw that Abraham was willing to go through it. 
the thing I love about this test, it says in Galatians that because of what Abraham was prepared to do, God credited Abraham as righteousness. God credited, read it properly, Roz. Um, God, it was credited to Abraham as righteousness. Galatians 3 says this, So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. I just want you to stop for a moment. God declared Abraham righteous not because of his good works, but because of his faith. And this is what it says in Galatians. Understand then that those who have faith, that's us, are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, that's us, by good works. No, by faith. Also, by faith. So those who rely on faith, not works, are blessed. Along with Abraham, the man of faith, the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. I just want to say this. It stumbles many people up. But your righteousness will never cut it. He cannot declare us righteous because of our good works. Because the Bible says they will never cut it. But it's by your faith that you are declared righteous. By grace, through faith. How good is that? That is really good, church. It's by faith that Roser is declared righteous because I trust in what Christ did on the cross. And it's not my righteousness. It's his righteousness. You know how you get to heaven? Not by your own righteousness. You're not going to get up to heaven and say, well, I did this and I did that and I did that. The only ones that pass through are the ones that have received and know it is his righteousness. And it is a stumbling block because it takes great humility because you've got to admit, hey, I'm a sinner. Which, praise God, isn't hard for most of us. The Isaac test. God asks you to give up something that is important. And, you know, <clears throat> when I was 22... God asked me to break up with Mark. We'd been going out for four years. And um, after two years, Mark started going out with my flatmate. All right. So, so often when God asks you to lay something aside, he wants to test what you can carry. Because you know, he only wants you to carry something if you've got a trust, good trust in him. So Mark asked, God asked me to break up with Mark. I did. And after two years, Mark started going out with my flatmate. And I realised, no... I think Mark is the right one, God. I want to have him back. I don't want to miss out on him. So I went to Mark and I asked him what chance there would be for us to get back together. My flatmate had beautiful hair and could sing like an angel. Mark said to me, Roz, she's got 90% and you have 10%. So I went to God. I thought I might get a better answer. And, you know, he spoke to me, he spoke to me out of the book of Ruth. And he said to me this, out of Ruth, he said, I will redeem it. And I said to him, and then a few verses later, it was like me speaking back to God. And I said, you redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. And it was this process of saying, God, he's a Isaac. I let him go. 
but you have spoken to me saying that you will redeem it. So I went out and changed my hair and got singing lessons. No, not really. But, you know, there's these times in our Isaac, with Isaac, we've just got to leave it and only he can bring it back. You know, Abraham couldn't bring Isaac back. He had to trust God. We don't go after it and figure, figure it out. We let him bring it back. And I just want to say regarding tests, Luke 22 says this, Simon, stay on your toes. Satan has tried his best to separate all of you from me. That's what Satan does, like chaff from wheat. wheat. Simon, I've prayed for you in particular that you not give in or give out. When you come through the time of testing, turn to your companions and give them a fresh start. So the only way for our faith to grow is for it to be tested. Great faith takes great testing. And when a test comes, we either go one way. We either, our faith gets sifted and all the stuff that we don't need, we let go of and it becomes more genuine like gold or we get discouraged. The enemy moves in on our offence or a discouragement and disappointment and we quit. So whenever a faith test comes through our circumstance, I want you to hold on and come through and let your faith be tested and come through as more genuine. All right, let's go to Hebrews 11. It says this, Isaac had faith, so he blessed Jacob and Esau. He told them what was ahead for them. So the next few verses, it just talks about um, Isaac and Jacob. At the end of their lives, what are they doing? They worship and they bless their family. Let me tell you, that is a great way to die. If you get the chance to choose how you, do, how you die, worship and bless your family. Um, so Isaac pl- passes on the promise that he got from Abraham to Jacob and Esau, and then um, Jacob passes it on to Joseph and to Joseph's grandkids, and so it goes. I, my sister-in-law, Kerry, was dying of cancer you know, about many years ago, 12 years ago. And she was in the hospice. She had two days to go. She was, could hardly speak and her strength was failing. It was a Friday afternoon. I remember Dan coming to see her and say goodbye to her. And I think Dan was prac teaching at the time. And Kerry said to him, how was your day? And lots of tears, Dan explaining his day. And I'll never forget Kerry's words. She said, Dan, you are going to make a really good teacher. At the end of her life, she was still speaking in, prophesying and encouraging Dan. I want you to do this, parents. I want you to be people that speak the language of faith in your home. Speak the language of encouragement and prophecy in your home. Your children need it. Your children need encouragement. They need you to prophesy over them, to remind them of their promises. You know, for 11 years in our world, my youngest daughter had an eating disorder. And, you know, if eating disorder had a formula that it could be fixed, I would have found it. But there is no formula. So we had to do a journey of faith. And different people gave me scriptures 
One woman in particular gave me a word about El, a prophetic word, and I kept it in my phone in my notes. Because sometimes your kids haven't got the faith. So you need to have the faith for them. You need to carry the faith for them. And you need to pray over them. And if they don't want to be prayed over, pray for them in the night and plead for them. And I pleaded for El in the night on my own because where is victory won? Sal knows. It's in the dark. The victory of faith is won in the dark. On your own sometimes. And I want to say this to all the mums. You know, when I prayed for Elle, especially a few times, it wasn't a polite prayer. Prayer can be messy when you're a parent. It was a pleading prayer. It was into the throne room of God. And it was, God, here I am again. I'm the widow coming again and again and again. And one day the Holy Spirit said to me this. He said, Roz, when mothers pray like that, I lean over heaven, I bend my ear, and I hear your prayer. And I have never forgotten it. So I want to tell you, mothers, he hears your prayer. Not your automatic pilot prayer, but your throne room of God, Roz. God, here I am again. Don't listen to anybody else this morning. Listen to Roz. He hears your prayer. Now Ellie's through. She's not just through, come, come musos, piano player. But he's using it to help others. And she can even crack jokes about it. I still don't know whether I can crack jokes about it. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. He said, when you leave, they left 179 years later, take my bones with you. It was an odd thing to do, but Joseph wanted them to remember the promise of God that they would get there. And right at the end, still speaking in about the promises of the generation. The, the generation, the faith of the generations, God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I want to pray for people this morning who are going through the test of faith. Victory begins in the dark. And right now you are feeling in the dark and there is a battle for your faith. It's being sifted so that can be more genuine. But sometime in the last few weeks or months, you felt like quitting. But the dawn is coming. And it's always darkest just before dawn. So I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to put your hand up. You say, Roz, I want you to pray for me this morning that my faith would be strengthened. beautiful. Let's keep the lights down because this isn't about me and all the hands going up. There's always a few. There's always a few in church. So Father, Father, you see these hands and you see 
what's going on in their life in the dark, the wrestle, the battle of faith, the discouragement, the disappointment that it didn't, hasn't looked and worked out like I thought. And God, where is the timeline? When is the breakthrough? I pray for these ones that they would be drawn so close to you, that they would sense you leaning over heaven and hearing that prayer. And it's messy. I know for many of you, it's messy and you're not hearing the answer, but you have him and you have his promise. His promise for your children and your children's children. So Father, strengthen them. Father, provide the ram. Father, remember when Isaac, remember when Abraham put Isaac on the altar and you said stop and there was a bleating and there was the ram. Father, provide the ram for them. The provision. There is a way. Thank you, Father. And for the ones at home too, that prayer was for you. And all of us now together are going to say amen because we're a family of faith. And I want us all to be part of the faith answer for those ones with our hands up. So together, ready? Amen. Amen. Hands down. And while in this moment, if anyone would want to receive Christ, I want to give you an opportunity. I explained kind of the gospel at the beginning of my message, halfway through my message. You want to receive Christ. You want to come home to the Father. It's as easy as opening your heart and saying, Christ, come into my life. I receive everything you've done for me. So while every eye is closed, so many of us in this room have done that. It's not complicated. It's a heart thing. It's not a knowledge thing. It's a heart faith thing. If you want to do that this morning, I want you to put your hand up so I can see and I can pray for you. Anyone this morning, you say, Roz, that's me. Anyone, take a moment. This is such an important decision. Thank you. Thank you, church. Thank you, church. You can look up. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.